Hi, my name is Frank Rotering. This podcast channel, Ecological Survival, features content from my website, ecologicalsurvival.org. I'm deeply concerned about humankind's inadequate response to the ecological crisis. I'm trying to correct this by disseminating my independent analysis and strategy. For more about me and my project, please see the website's About Statement. A recent environmental conference in Australia revealed an important truth. The global young desperately need a committed advocate to defend their ecological interests. Such quasi-legal representation would ensure that their rights to survival and well-being are fully recognized and faithfully served at all environmental gatherings. Because this representation was absent at the National Climate Emergency Summit, it instead served the interests of older generations and the global rich by clinging tenaciously to the prevailing social order. In this post, I show how this representation might work by offering my objections to key aspects of the summit's proceedings. These objections should have been raised while the summit was in, in progress. Thus, my advice to the young and their concerned parents is to never again tolerate an environmental conference, meeting, or discussion where such an advocate does not play a prominent role. My first objection would have been raised at the summit's outset, when it became clear that the climate emergency was being discussed without anyone having a clear picture of the ecological crisis as a whole. I would therefore have presented a diagram that clearly depicts the crisis for the summit's consideration. This diagram shows that the root cause of the crisis is economic overexpansion, which resulted in ecological overshoot, i.e. the violation of multiple environmental limits about 60 years ago. This led to a greenhouse gas-based emergency and various non-greenhouse gas impacts. For details, I would have referred the summit to a document on my website, Ecological Survival and Revolutionary Change. However, I would have forcefully pointed out that climate change is only one result of global warming, which is only one part of the overall crisis. I would therefore have asked the summit organizers to explain why they focus on the climate emergency when it is the far broader overshoot emergency that actually threatens the young. In addition, I would have insisted on terminology that is consistent with the above framing, particularly the replacement of climate change, climate crisis, etc., with a scientifically accurate term, such as my suggested greenhouse gas crisis. As the summit progressed, I would have loudly protested the flagrant distortions of current environmental, economic, and political realities. These could only have confused the young analytically and disarmed them strategically. Because the distortions were numerous, I will address only the most destructive instance in each category. The summit's most critical environmental distortion was its treatment of solar radiation management, SRM. Of the three greenhouse gas solutions, emissions reductions, greenhouse gas removal, and SRM, the first received copious attention, and the second had its own session to discuss biological methods. SRM, by contrast, was mentioned only once on the main stage. This was by David Spratt, who immediately dismissed the measure by claiming that, quote, 
Such approaches have not yet been demonstrated to be of net environmental or social benefit." Unquote. Given my advocacy role, I would have jumped up to challenge this outrageous assertion. As explained in the document mentioned above, SRM is the only approach that can prevent runaway global warming while unsafe greenhouse gases are being removed. It is therefore an urgent necessity to protect the young from short-term disaster and to maintain the social stability required for rational action. The net benefits of SRM have not been demonstrated because it has for decades been a taboo subject which has severely restricted research. As well, its positive impacts on the global south have been widely ignored. I would therefore have emphasized that almost 90% of the young live in these poorer countries, where they are highly vulnerable to the storms, floods, and searing heat that the judicious implementation of SRM could temporarily abate. In the economic category, the most egregious distortion was the summit's implicit assumption that the ecological crisis can be solved under capitalism. I say implicit because I never heard the word itself. Instead, there were oblique references to, quote, an economic system such as we have, unquote, quote, a permanent growth model, unquote, and, quote, an unsustainable economic system, unquote. As the youth advocate, I would have protested these evasions and insisted that participants candidly adopt the word and the reality it represents. This would have dramatically increased the transparency of the summit's economic discussions. To make the case that the crisis can't be solved under capitalism, I would have argued that due to its historical mission, it is a growth-dependent system, that it caused the calamitous overexpansion and overshoot, and that it cannot reverse its historical course. I would also have pushed the summit to discuss a new economic theory for a sustainable economy, and to consider which of capitalism's features should be retained and which should be discarded. In brief, I would have urged the summit to seriously address humankind's economic future through extensive discussions about capitalism and the requirements for its sustainable replacement. The occasion for the most damaging political distortion was a session titled, This is not a Drill. Because this event featured a rare moment of political honesty, I will describe it in some detail. Effectively moderated by broadcaster Ali Moore, the session was an inventive fictional setup. As the crisis escalates, an Australian premier establishes a blue ribbon commission to find solutions and compel the national government to act. The commissioners were the eight panel members with Ian Dunlop at its head. The others were a medical professional, a senior firefighter, an Aboriginal activist, two clean energy business consultants, a former premier, and a military representative. Moore several times pressured the panel to come up with solutions as she announced disruptive global events. After some desultory discussion, someone proposed the goal of net zero emissions by 2030. This is very unlikely unachievable for practical reasons, but it increased the tension and forced the commissioners to consider extreme measures. This came to a head when Moore said, quote, Here's the big question. Do we just suspend democracy? Unquote. 
As the youth advocate, I would have been galvanized because it is obvious that government action cannot solve the ecological crisis. This is because the political authority exercised by government is overwhelmed by the political power of those who own and control the economy. History makes this abundantly clear. Numerous regimes that have tried to introduce major social changes, such as company nationalizations and land reforms, have been undermined or overthrown. Even the government of U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt almost succumbed to a coup in the 1930s for introducing its New Deal reforms. Given these precedents, it is preposterous to claim that governments could successfully implement the most extreme and power-shifting reform of all, capitalism's historical replacement. Dunlop was the first to respond to Moore's unexpected challenge. He said, and I quote, I think we are at a point now when that becomes a real question. Because the way the country has been proceeding in looking at climate change now for 30 years has effectively suspended democracy. We're not actually taking decisions in the public interest any longer. We've allowed this to develop in such a way that the country is now totally unprepared for what has been happening. And there is no sign politically at the moment that this is actually going to change." Unquote. Moore then turned to military representative Cheryl Durant and asked, quote, what position would the military take? If you've got a very upset public, but you can't get the people who are ruling the place to listen, unquote. Although highly uncomfortable, Durant responded with the politically honest moment, quote, I'm not going to go there. Although a global coup with the biggest five militaries in the world would probably solve the problem and would probably create a lot of problems as well, unquote. She then veered away from the topic, ex-premier Carmen Lawrence stoutly defended democracy, and the discussion returned to everyone's comfort zone, government action. For the global young, this refusal to pursue a mode of action that could save their future was an obscene betrayal. Imagine if you had a grievously sick child and had visited numerous doctors to find a solution. One day, you hear a doctor mention a treatment that, quote, would probably solve the problem, unquote. Will you smile and let this pass? Or would you eagerly demand the details? Now multiply this situation by several billion, the number of young people who could perish if the government delusion is maintained. Needless to say, I would have screamed my outrage at this point and held the panel to account for its self-serving and genocidal behavior. My last objection would have been raised after the summit was over and the virtual invisibility of the young could be quantified. I would have informed the organizer that, of the 48 people who appeared on the main stage as speakers or panelists, only two were under 30, about 4%. Worse, they spoke for a total of about five minutes out of the 11 hours occupied by the sessions, less than 1%. The organizers did include a student's declared workshop in a different location, but the representative then spent a paltry two minutes on the main stage to present the results. In brief, the people who will be the primary victims of the unfolding crisis were almost entirely excluded from a conference that addressed its possible solutions. To summarize, the National Climate Emergency Summit exposed the fact that, 
Without a committed advocate to defend their ecological interests, the young are at the mercy of conservative forces that seek to maintain today's ecocidal social order. Firmly controlled by these forces, the summit kept the young almost entirely out of sight, failed to consider the ecological crisis as a whole, falsely assumed that a solution is possible under capitalism, outrageously dismissed SRM, and refused to acknowledge that, because governments lack the political power to replace capitalism, military intervention will be necessary for youth survival. Let me now drop my advocate role and examine the summit's deeper significance. What is striking about the failures outlined above is that many participants were highly accomplished people. Dunlop, for example, has made the extraordinary transition from fossil fuel executive to environmental thought leader, and he spoke with mature insight about the suspension of democracy. Many others display high intelligence, detailed knowledge, and profound concern. So what happened? Part of the answer, I believe, lies in the depth and scope of this unprecedented crisis, which overwhelmed the imaginations of even these outstanding people. Humankind and its predecessor species, driven by their biological impulses, have for millions of years been on an expansionary path. But, having overshot the Earth's environmental limits, we have now reached the end of this path and must quickly shift from expansion to contraction. The challenge before us is therefore the ecological redirection of our species. This will entail the revolutionary restructuring of our minds, economies, and societies to align our collective impact with the planet's natural constraints. Very few educated people can meet this challenge because their hard-won knowledge is oriented towards the expansionary past rather than the contractionary future, and because their mental constructs are deeply rooted in the capitalist worldview. Very few of the older can do so because their social status and material comforts could sharply decline if they rock the conventional boat. Because most summit participants were both educated and older, they lacked the capacity and incentive to objectively determine what is now necessary to heal the planet and permit the young to survive. What this means for the young is that they must decisively reject the analytical and strategic guidance of their elders. Older generations can contribute research, and perform tasks that require lengthy experience, but, with rare exceptions, they cannot understand the crisis from the youth perspective or show them the way forward. This conclusion will be especially relevant when the above distortions and many others flood the media during the upcoming coverage of COP26 and the IPCC's sixth assessment report. I conclude with a brief message to the young themselves. This is indeed not a drill. I suggest you swallow deep, grub fast, think independently, take responsibility for the world you will inherit, and seek military help to implement the rational crisis response before it's too late. And when you need an ecological advocate, give me a shout.